Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan, a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I'm here with David Glassman. David is a convert to the Catholic faith, and tonight we're talking a little bit more about evangelization, knowing the good news, and learning how to share it with others. And David has a great story with that, so I welcome you today, David. Thank you for having me, Father. What a great blessing. Sometimes many people are are so intimidated with evangelization, so sometimes we just need to take a look back in our own lives, and that's what we're going to do with with David, who who has a great story. So David, in our first segment, we're going to talk about how he got to know the good news, and the second segment will be a little bit more focused on how do you share it with others? How does that just become part of your life? So let's begin with the first. David, tell me a little bit more of how you got to know a little bit about the good news, where you were, and who were people in your life, and how did that, they help you take a step forward? Father, I, I grew up in a Protestant home. I say Protestant because we moved to a couple of different churches, but I grew up primarily in the Methodist faith. And I was a nominal Christian, Got went to college, and stopped going to church but I went to different churches, and I went to Bible studies in my dorm, and sure. I just engaged in different religious activities, finding my way. But it was when I, when I met my future wife <laughs> that my life really changed. Tell me more about that. Well, she was, she's Catholic, was Catholic, grew up Catholic. And when I met her, she was engaged in our Catholic ministry on campus. We went to Virginia Tech, so not a not a religious or university, but she was engaged and she was a lector. And after I'd been dating her for about a year, I asked her, "Can I go to church with you?" And I'd never been in a Catholic church. Grew up around in Baltimore. There's Catholic churches everywhere. <laughs> sure, never been in one. What was your experience? My initial experience was I was really taken by the way that. Everyone, I didn't really understand what was going on sure. in detail, but 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 just how everyone, how intense everybody was, uh, how, how focused everybody was on what was going on, and although not knowing that it was the Eucharist at the time, but how how focused people were on that, and you know, being being a good Catholic woman, she you know let me know that wasn't something I could partake in yet, and she explained it a little bit. But it was, I was drawn in. It was, and then once we decided to, to get married, I said, well, we will, I will be Catholic. Well, wow. Because I had seen, when I was a, a, a kid, I'd seen people who were, lived in homes with the parents, would one parent go to one church, one go to the other. And it, this never made sense to me. How are, can you be married and be, not have something that important be something you do together? So some, sometimes people do have those situations where it can be challenging, but certainly it adds a level of challenge, sure. What was it about your future wife that really stuck out to you, that really attracted you to the Catholic faith? Just the fact that, that she was so active and, and it was a part of her life. Uh, when she was in Michigan by herself, she found the local parish and got involved. That's how she kept herself from getting involved in, you know, just useless activities. So she, she was involved. So she found that she had a home in the church 
Yeah. It wasn't just a place she went on Sunday. It was a home that she had. And she, she went there. She went to the church wherever she went. And being, when I was a Protestant, you, you went to your home church. But, you know, you went on vacation. You didn't go to church because you, you belonged to your home church. And there wasn't that universality. And, and so that was something that, that was attractive to me. So then, you know, after we graduated and we, she, had, she got a job in, in Georgia and then I got a job in Georgia and moved down and I started RCIA classes in Georgia in the middle of Baptist territory. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Different experience. What was your experience coming into the church or what were things that you were discovering that really stuck out to you? You know, initially I was, I was joining the, the church to join the church. And a lot of what I was learning, I can't. I really don't feel like I was. I was absorbing in in as much depth as I, I really should have been. Uh, so at that point in time, I was joining the church. I was, you know, really had a surface understanding of, of of Catholic teaching, but really wasn't deeply committed to the teachings of the Catholic Church. So it was kind of. It was still, you know, I was still a nominal Christian at that time, but you know, that was beginning to change. And my wife was now she was teaching second graders CCD and she was teaching that preparing them for for uh, first communion and after I joined the church and we got and then we got married we I joined before we got married so that I could fully participate in the mass that we had for for our wedding and and that was important to me I wanted it I I I did understand sacramental marriage you know my wife and I were very committed you know she came from a you know, her parents had been divorced. I had seen divorce in my family, not my parents, but, and, and we, we were very committed. This is, this is not an option. We didn't believe in it. So we already had that, you know, that was a very important part. We understood the sacramental nature of, of marriage. So that was, you know, really the first maybe sacrament we really entered into fully understanding its, 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 its meaning and its importance for us sure. and to have God as a part of that. What other experiences or other people have really shaped you that really introduced you to say, like, wow, this is good news. This, this is pretty life-changing. Well, we had, after we moved to Baltimore, moved back up here and joined St. Isaac Jokes Parish in Kearney, and we got involved with a couple of faith-sharing groups. Sometimes we did scripture study, sometimes just prayer. And with these groups, we, we met some wonderful people, and that began to direct us in the right you know, to, to be more embracing of our Catholic faith. And there were two, there was one, one, but there was one particular couple, but really it was, it was the husband and he, they actually decided to leave the Catholic church. Well, and one, one day he, he engaged with uh, the men in, in, in his, in our one, in our couples group. And he said, Hey, I'd like to get together with you guys. I want to talk about some things about the Catholic faith. And we thought, okay, this is great. We'll, we'll have a dialogue. And he showed up, and he had a friend with him. And was like, hey, great, your friend, your friend, I don't remember, his friend Mark. And his friend Mark was an anti-Catholic apologist. Oh, my. <laughs> he, he spent his life going around teaching what was wrong with the Catholic faith. And after this encounter, the rest of us, we were, I, I would say we were left saddened for two reasons. One, we knew that our friend wasn't our friend anymore. And that was sad. Not that we didn't want him to be. In terms of just like how it was approached. How it was approached. Yeah, sure. And the second part was we were sad because we didn't know our Catholic faith very well. Yeah. So we were, we were, that really hit us and said, but we rebounded from that. We didn't go, we didn't get dragged away from the church because of that. We got rocketed toward it. And that was an exciting thing. So as a group... We made it a point that we needed to engage with our Catholic faith. 
And, and along about that same time, we had another couple that had joined our group. And I'll tell you that I remember getting in the car with my wife one night after, after say, and I looked at her and I said, if she talks about Mary one more time, I'm going to scream. <laughs> and she said, I know. Well, that couple, they're, they're my, my youngest child's godparents. And so what they, their, their role in this conversion was, was to be an example of, of authentic Catholic belief and authentic Catholic, living an authentic Catholic life. And so here we had these two opposing people in my life. You know, one who tried to drag me away, and and then and then a couple that was dragging me closer to Jesus Christ and His Church and His Mother and everything that's wonderful about our Catholic faith. Yeah, it is interesting. And just as a disclaimer, we know on either side, there's no like people aren't dragging people across the faith. That just happened to be your experience of that, right? Exactly. That we respect our, our brothers and sisters uh, who are living in Christ, and, the, and it can be a great gift. But it is interesting sometimes, as you said, sometimes the challenge became an invitation of, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And and this matters, and so they, they can be the promptings, and God and the Holy Spirit can use those instances to draw us very close to Him. Maybe what we can do is, just to wrap up this segment, it is a beautiful mystery of an unfolding of life. And God uses people and life and circumstances and the fact that, that, that he can use everything, that gives me a great hope. You know, it just gives, gives me a great hope. So our guest today is David Glassman. We'll continue our conversation in a moment. I'm Father Brian Nolan, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Charity and unity, the first two principles that guide the Knights of Columbus, were on display in equal measure at St. Ambrose and Park Heights December 8th. The occasion was the Fraternal Organization's fourth annual Coats for Kids outreach in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Approximately 1,000 winter coats were distributed, underscoring the ties between the Maryland State Council and the organization's national office in New Haven, Connecticut. The State Council paid for the coats, but ordered them through the national office, which had them shipped from a factory directly to the church in northwest Baltimore in late November, all at a discounted price. The Knights have a unique and effective organization, said Archbishop William E. Laurie, their Supreme Chaplain. Together, more can be done. The unity between the local parts of the organization and the national part allows us to accomplish so much charity on an annual basis. According to Scott Reed, Connecticut-based Senior Director of Programs and Brand Management for the Knights, they have distributed more than 500,000 coats in the U.S. and Canada since 2009, approximately 107,000 coats this year alone. The outreach has grown in other ways. When it began, we had limited styles and colors, but that's changed, Reed said. We don't want every kid in a community wearing the same jacket so that people say they got it from the Knights. The National Office's support of local councils is reciprocated by the Maryland State Council, which had 250 volunteers offering hospitality in August during the night's 136th Supreme Convention in Baltimore. That included free ground transportation for dignitaries, some from as far as Dulles International Airport in Virginia, an effort coordinated by Vince Grouso, a parishioner of St. Louis in Clarksville. Ray Traub, a parishioner of St. Francis de Sales in Abingdon and among the founding members 25 years ago of its father Maurice J. Wolf Council, was the local organizer for the December 8th Coat Outreach. To read more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. 
Sister Elizabeth Ann Corcoran, who was born at what is now Mercy Medical Center, received a portion of her education there, and over nearly six decades of service became a face of the institution, died December 5th at Stella Maris Hospice in Timonium. A Sister of Mercy for more than 65 years, she was 88 years old. Over the last 63 years, Sister Elizabeth Ann served as Assistant Director of Nursing, Director of Nursing, Vice President of Nursing, and then Assistant to the President for Hospitality. All the while, she resided at the hospital at the heart of Baltimore as it changed names and grew substantially. To read more on this story and many more, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Emily Rosenthal. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan, and we're talking to David Glassman. David Glassman is a convert to the Catholic faith, and really the theme of today is evangelization, knowing the good news and then sharing it with others. And we're back hearing a little bit about, David, your your story. David, tell me more about, so you had these encounters, obviously, through your future wife and through your different experiences. What, what were some of the next steps that helped you to get to know the good news in your heart, in your life? One of the most important things that happened is as a result of these encounters with different people and the understanding that our group of friends had that we were lacking in in full understanding of our Catholic faith is we decided to do a study of the book Catholic and Christian by Alan Shrek. Oh yeah, great book. Uh, it's a wonderful book that talks about Catholic teachings that are difficult for non-Catholics and how to approach those. But there was one line in the book that was really profound for me. And to paraphrase, it said that as a Catholic, 
we are required to accept everything that the church teaches. But if we struggle with believing something that the church's church teaches, it is our adult responsibility to study why the church teaches it so that we can come to an understanding and make a decision about our belief. Wow, that's a very important insight. <laughs> it, it was profound to me. And so, and, and as a result, one of, one of the, the most important, one of the most critical things that came out of this is I was listening to a, a Scott Hahn tape about Humanae Vitae. Yeah. And I've read, and now I've read, and then I read it. And I sat with my wife and I said, we have to change something. Well, and we have more children than we planned for because God's grace acted in our life and because of the truth of the faith. And, and, our, and as we looked at it, and we, were, we came to understand that, that the Catholic Church is, there's the, the full revelation of God's truth is, is found here. And because of that, because of that experience, I've rarely had to research because I'm very comfortable with, with, with what the church teaches. Not that I haven't, but not, usually not because I uh, have, have, feel a challenge to it, but before, because I just want to have a deeper understanding of what the church is teaching us. And that's one of those issues, and these and other issues that are like, wow, these are steps of faith of saying, do you trust me, Lord, even with an openness to children? And obviously the fullness of, of, the, of the teachings of that, that can be a great step of faith. And to see the great gift that literally be part of the rest of your life and God willing, and really eternity. Absolutely. That's very profound. David, one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is you're just a person that has a way of sharing the good news. Just you're a person that just lives it, exudes it, it just comes out in your life. Maybe you can tell me, tell our, our listeners just a little more of how you just incorporate it into your day or daily life. Maybe give some examples. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is how I got here. And the first thing is through that encounter, you know, I, I began to study uh, apologetics a little bit so I could understand my faith and learn how to, to present it. And, and the, the most important thing I learned was I talk to people about my faith. I don't talk to them about theirs. Yeah. So I, I'm, just, I'm just sharing what I know and what I believe. And that's because I don't want to put people in a position of being defensive. But probably the most critical event that happened to me was I was on a bus coming home from work from downtown Baltimore, and it was during Lent, and I was sitting in the front seats where you face the people across the aisle, yes. and the man across from me yelled out or called, spoke in a loud voice, and he said, Easter's coming. Does anybody know what Easter's really all about? And he kept <laughs> asking this question about Easter, and I sat there and I looked at him, and God was telling me to answer him. And I turned him down. Wow. And then the people in the back of the bus yelled at him to shut up and be quiet. And eventually, he, and he did. And I got off that bus and I knew that, that God had a plan for me to encounter this stranger and to evangelize someone or someones on this bus. And I let him down. And I'm not perfect at this, but when I feel God calling me to do something, I remember that moment. Well, because it's profound. I, the, I, I know what it feels like to disappoint God. And so I use that to remind myself not to do that again. And, and there are those different types of evangelization. Obviously, there's, a, you know, there's the, the speaking up on the corner on a bus. That's kind of the rare ones. Probably the more day-to-day -day and something that you live is just 
through encounters with people, through, and it's not just the strangers, it's the people you work with or the people you see. Tell me more about that. Give me some examples of experience so we can kind of see how actually this is doable that anybody can do. Right. Well, the, the most important thing if, to, in evangelization is living your faith, being an example. If you're not walking the walk, people aren't going to listen to the talk. Yeah. And so it's important. Again, people will, people will accept your flaws if they see your faith. They know that you're, you're, you're genuine. So that's the first thing is if you're not living your faith, people will see right through you and, and your, your, whatever words come out of your mouth will, will, won't make an impact. Like I said before, you, know, it's, it's, you have to get fear out of your heart. Okay. <laughs> and so it's really about looking for opportunities don't be passive. You have to look for opportunities. Don't go go in firing, but you're looking for opportunities and then take them when they're there. What's an example of that? What would be an example of an opportunity that, that anybody could do? So an opportunity, one of the best examples, this is about two months ago, and my staff at work generally eats lunch in my office. So I have four or five people in my office who I supervise and that we all come together and we have communal, a communal lunch almost every day. Well. And one of my coworkers jokingly said something about saying grace and the one woman in our group said okay we can pray and this led to a con where i looked i looked at everyone in my office and i told them what i pray for them every night and i looked at her and i said i pray that you get baptized (laughs) that's pretty bold she said okay wow wow and she came back a little bit later and she said what's that tuesday night thing you do and I told her, I, I'm a catechist for our RCIA program, my parish. And, and she said, can I do that? And I said, absolutely, you can do that. And so she is on the path to coming into full communion with the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil. And, and what I find fascinating about it is several things. It revealed something was happening prior to a conversation. The fact that you think about the people around you, the fact that you pray for them, and you can't underestimate, that's a fruit of prayer of saying, I pray that you may baptize. I mean, that might shock some people or others, but, uh, but the whole mystery of praying for that person and, and the fact of that invitation, or just to say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm praying for you about this. And people may respond differently, but that's how she responded in that one time. And, and that was a, a, that was a, to me, that was a profound moment. For We plant a lot of seeds if we're if we're in our evangelization and most of our evangelization is passive but we plant a lot of seeds or hopefully we do but it's actually rare that we get to see the fruit that's usually that's right. not god's plan that's right. right and so there are two things there's there's two joys that i've received from this there's the joy of for her i have when she said yes i i just had a profound joy for her and then at, when I reflected on it, I had this joy f- that God gave me the gift of seeing the fruit. And so, so God gave me blessings through my evangelization. And it's something I continue to do. The other day, someone came up to me and asked me a question about something that they were pondering about God. And what does God think about this? And I said, well, I don't know what God thinks about this. But here's what you need to consider. You need to be looking at, you know, you're looking about whether something's sin or not. I said, well, you have to look in your heart. And we had a conversation about, about sin and what is sin and about, about God because, because I'm, I'm open about who I am. And so people will come to me. I, I have another really good, good story. I had a woman who came up to me and said, 
or a woman who at her office who announced that she was going to be leaving and going and taking home taking care of her children. She was going to be a stay at home mom. And I, as soon as I heard it, I went to her office. I said, "You're making the best decision that you've ever made." And she came up just to shorten it. She came up to me about two weeks later and said, "Everyone I've met has told me why I shouldn't do this, except for you. Thank you." Wow, so those little promptings that we can have, and and it does happen in our day-to-day life. That is the mystery of sharing good news. It's trying to be open to the Holy Spirit, sometimes through the fruit of our own prayer or study. We can share things with others, or people can know they can come to talk to us and have those conversations and, and to walk with them. So, David, thank you for coming today. What a great, great blessing. It may all know that he wants to use all of us to know the good news and to share it with others. We're here with David Glassman, and it's been a blessing having you today. I'm Father Brian Nolan uh, for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.